Mendoza from Rapper Financials. I hope that our videos are being of help to you, especially during these crazy times. And indeed, it's a great opportunity for us if we do have the time to research, get more information, to be able to navigate our investments, to, to make better decisions regarding the way we handle money during these trying times. And certainly, we at Rapper Financials would like to be able to make that difference. And that's the reason why today, the topic I'm going to be talking about is the economy and the stock market. What about? We've always been talking about the economy and the stock market. No, there's something really queer happening. And, and some people have asked me, Sir Rex, you know, what's happening? Are our economic woes all over? Uh, do, do, have, we, have we handled all of these problems? Because the market is skyrocketing. It's really going up. Don't we have our economic problems anymore? Have we solved all of them? COVID is still there. Um, you know, economic indicators don't seem right. But why is it that the market keeps on going up? That's the topic for today. And I'd like to be able to shed light on this because... It's very important for us to understand and appreciate this since it's going to be the very basis of strategic investing. Uh, in, in my last video, I think I talked about strategic investing and compare that with tactical investing and, and how it can help people create that mindset and, and that perspective to win in their financial pathway to security and prosperity. That is an issue we deal with and we see that today. Why do stock markets and economies diverge? Why do they go separate direction? So let me give you simple premises before we get down to what's happening. Simple premise is this. The stock market is not the economy. Let me repeat that. The stock market is not the economy. It's not one and the same. They can act differently. While we all know, basic, basic requirement is that they affect each other. But you see, when we buy stocks, we buy companies. And we're buying the propensity or capability of those companies to earn money. Not just today, but in the future. So if you're going to be looking at it, how can a company thrive when the economy is doing poorly? So if the economy is doing poorly, the country is in a rut, how can companies thrive? Certainly, I think all of you know, it's not one size fits all. Some companies can do well during this pandemic. Some companies are going to be hard up and, and facing such difficult times. So it, it pays to realize that, yes, we can be very selective. But again, Rex, I, I think you're not getting it, right? The whole market is going up. And it's almost like the index is there. I mean, you know, it's, it's at a level where, you know, we were before the crash from COVID-19 happened. So um, let, me, let me get down to how this divergence has occurred. Look at the situation today. Our GDP, last print, May 7, we're down 0 0.2. 0 0.2. We're down 0.2. That's too small, right? Oops. Do you know that it's the first time we've been down in GDP since the first quarter of 1998? 
we've never contracted in the last 20 years or over 20 years. So it's a big, big thing from a positive 5.9 last year to now negative 0.2. And the World Bank, you know, all of these think tanks, they're saying that the Philippine economy will actually contract by around 2% this year. So a streak of record increases and then all of a sudden a contraction of 2%. And it's not only that. We're looking at unemployment. Last number I saw, over 17%. Exports down 51%. Imports down 65%. It's almost like basic consumption and demand is getting hit. And we're seeing OFWs being repatriated. They're losing jobs. Obviously, that will impact a great pillar of our economy, which would be remittances. So the problem is there. The problem seems dire. And who's visiting Boracay right now are our great tourist places around the country. They don't have people in them. So certainly, again, another pillar of the economy. So quite problematic, right? But let's look at the stock market. Just within June alone, we're, we're not even, you know, half the month yet. Just within June alone, we're already up 13% in the index. And if we're going to be charting where we are today from that drop in March, you know how much that difference is? 42%. Wow. So massive, massive improvement in indices and numbers, but massive problems being reported in the economy. So this needs to be explained. This needs to be clarified. And I guess today my job is to let you understand and appreciate this without necessarily predicting where it's headed. You know, that's the job of, 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 of uh, you know, market pundits and, and the people who can like really drill down the, the technicals of this. But you know, I mean, I'm a strategic investor. I tell people gold-based investment allocation Yes, we have to have trading accounts for, you know, the fun and, you know, the bit of, of trying to beat the market. But I'm never going to use my trading portfolio for my long-term goals. For my long-term goals, I have a core portfolio that, you know, blips in the market, surges and drops like this. Certainly, hopefully, don't affect me as much. So, let's get down to it. Stock prices are behaving in that fashion and they will always do. Why? Because stocks, the prices of stocks and the index would be a reflection of where the market can be, not where the economy is. Let me repeat that. It's a forward indicator. And that's the reason why stock prices, stock indices, would be a leading indicator. It can tell us where the market and the economy can be, not where it is today. So clearly, people who are trading stocks are factoring in the effect of the economy in these companies, not just today, but well in the future. So certainly, there is a bit of, you know, sentiment that gets into it. There's a bit of hopefulness that gets into it. And then there's a bit of, you know, a forward expectation that gets into the prices. So when the market was falling, that's the same thing. It can go 
either way. When markets are going down, the sentiment of people is that it will go down further. And when they're going up, they're thinking, you know, we're on the road to a recovery. Before the recovery even happens, they start buying. So it's a leading indicator. And then what are the things that led to that? Certainly, we were in ECQ, right? That was the worst of times. So the expectation was we're going to be in this lockdown. But then again, little by little, we moved into MECQ to GCQ to now probably MGCQ. What does that mean? The market is opening up. And when the market is opening up, economic activity starts. And because economic activity starts, at least we're out of the rut. We're out of the bottom as some people think. I'm not gonna say they're correct, because certainly, you know, it is debatable. There is a tendency for us to, you know, test that low because we're never so sure. There's no vaccine yet. And, you know, the curve might not be flattened. It might rise up again. And, you know, some countries have done that. Like Singapore went into a lockdown again. And that hurts markets because obviously sentiment goes the other way around. So certainly, uh, let, me, let me stay with that. The opening up of markets actually injected a bit of optimism. Okay? And it's not only that. Let's move on to the, to the next thing that, that probably would have made it go higher. It's the government stimulus. Okay, think about you know, a drop in the guiding rate of about 125 basis points. Before, we saw drops like 0.25, right? 0.5. Now the drop is like 1.25. The reserve requirement has also been lowered by 200 basis points. Wow, we saw that going down 50 basis points, but never like 200 basis points in one blow. What does that mean? A lot of liquidity flushed into the market People thinking, okay, I'm not going to be earning anything from fixed income. Rates are going to go down. What do I do? So some people are thinking, you know, if I'm just going to earn 1% or less than 1% in my time deposit, I'd rather put money in stocks because obviously they will be more than 2-3% up like in, let's say, 2 or 3 years. So there is a tendency because there is liquidity in the market for money to find its way into stocks. And that's, again... One of the reasons why this stimulus is somehow working. Now remember, on the consumer demand side, people are losing jobs, people are losing money. So, will demand be almost zero? No, again, going back to the government stimulus, if you notice, there were three areas, right? Survival, transitional, and structural. We're still in survival, but what has the government done? Social amelioration programs. This weekend, we're going to have trench too. There have been dole-outs by, by, uh, you know, by, by institutions like the SSS and the Department of Labor. Um, wage subsidies have been released, like 5,000, 8,000. What does that mean? So while people are unemployed, they're being given money, the ayuda that will make them be able to buy the essentials, food, medicine, and stuff like that. So demand was not actually zero. There is a palliative on top of that for these OFWs also. So that somehow, they call it pantawed. You know, it's a bridge. And hopefully, when the market recovers, the bridge would have huh, proven its value so that the economy can now rise from the activity because the bridge has been provided and been provided well. But the thing is, we're not so sure 
if these things will be enough. Yes, for the moment, you know, the LGUs uh, are giving out relief goods. This would provide a bridge. But how that bridge will perform also depends on how far, you know, the land mass is far away from each other, you know, because this whole thing can extend and the bridge might not be long enough or we might not be able to afford that bridge. That's another story because people are saying the government can print money. The government can actually fund this infinitely. That is true, but that can be ultra-inflationary. So the government, while it's capable, wants to balance things off. So certainly, this stimulus is, is, is doing some magic. Now, if it's going to be enough, again, it's another story. The next block, again, I, I've mentioned too, right? Uh, the economy is not exactly what people see. They see the future of that economy. That's the way people get to think. However, going on to the third side, we now see other things that get into that level of optimism. The fact that if we can do a bit of anchoring, you know, we have better fundamentals now. We have a great demographic variable, very young population, great in terms of number, can provide a good domestic economy. That's good. You know, our financial metrics and fundamentals as a country are also good compared to the past crisis. That makes us a bit strong. Uh, debt to GDP, public debt to GDP, gross international reserves, and that's why the peso remains strong. Um, and then most importantly, NPLs, non-performing loans. You see, in the past crisis, when you get hit with high interest rates and the exchange rate together, hounding on people, what happens? They cannot pay. Credit becomes scarce and people get choked. Today, that might not happen because the NPL rate is low, a little over 2%. We can expect that to double. Still very far from the 10% we had in 1997. Over 10% impact. So our scorecard, we're pretty strong in terms of our financial metrics. And that's a reason why people get to think we can get away with this. We can probably survive it and even thrive afterwards. See, when you look at these fundamentals and you look at them, you know, working with the stimulus and working with like the sentiments of, of optimism for the future, you can have a market like this. People are looking at stocks, people are looking at companies for what they can be in about two to three years after the you know, the whole thing is over. Besides, last factor, we already mentioned three, last factor, the technical side. You know, there are people uh, really quite abreast with the technicals of the market. So they, they look at things like momentum. They look at things like, you know, support. What does that mean? The first three factors give you both so there can be something that fuels it. Because as people do it, you know, the technicians sort of become like a herd. That, that, you know, prompts people to say, okay, the worst is over, we can actually push through and, and push that market upward. That is still short term. Remember, technicals have to go with fundamentals for the long term. But in the near term, 
the technicals are fine. And that's the reason why momentum is going up. You know, when the market was going down, it's still the same thing. You know, the technicians were also reading their charts and they're also saying that, you know, things can be pushed further down. And as I've said, it can go either way. So in this particular situation, those people getting into technical analysis and reading also push a little bit of the market towards that direction. Now, that being said, are we really saying that our economic woes are over, that this is now the recovery? Nope. Nope. There is still a debate whether this will be a U. Somehow there can be a bit of traces for it to be a V. It's still alive. But it, will it continue to be that V? It can also be an L or a W when we have probably another leg down in terms of a downward move. As my friend Edward Lee will say, kung alam ko lang mayaman ako. Like certainly, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know where this is going. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm making this video just to tell people, yes, we, we can explain why. We can explain why. But what's about to happen, we have to watch out. We will have to be abreast. We will have to be updated. We will have to continue watching this to see how things will pan out. Because if we don't, we're going to be making decisions today that probably won't hold for the future. Very, very important, there are things that get into this. Remember, we're buying companies in stocks. And that's the reason why I don't want people to have a blanket view that the markets are way past the bad times, we're now going for the good times. No. There are companies that will continue to struggle based on what we see in the economy. And there are companies that have reinvented themselves or are, are in industries and sectors that are doing well, they're gonna do even better. So the key, ladies and gentlemen, is to be more differentiated in our approach. The key is to understand who will be the winners, who can be the potential losers. So it's not a one-size-fits-all that we can say the economic difficulties are done, we can now move forward and say we're headed upwards. No, certainly it's not there yet. We are going to be seeing things unfold and it can be dire for some companies, it can be a blessing for some. Okay? The key thing compared to the past is the fact that we have technology today. You know, technology is a, a great equalizer. You know, essentially, companies can do better with technology. So the way they embrace the technology also equips them in the way they can turn around and create a better service, production, or manufacturing platform for themselves and their clients, their, their customers. So it's, it's very, very important for us to watch each and every company separately. So we are not going to be looking for a systemic view. We have to be looking for a, you know, specific view. Now, I also tell people this advice. Please, refrain from gambling. Refrain from gambling. Isn't it tempting to do that, you know, when, when markets can be up 10 to 15% in two weeks and can, they can also be down 10 to 15% in another two weeks? You can actually make money within the difference. So please, 
Refrain from doing that. That's the reason why I tell people, you know, I have a core portfolio for my long-term goals. I have a trading portfolio for stuff like this. But the trading portfolio is not big enough to put me in a quandary if I make wrong decisions. It's what I do so that I can tell people, oh, I made money there too. Oh, I, I read that right. But the thing is, it's not something for the long term. It's something that I want to be able to create as a barometer for me of how I can do uh, compared to the market, compared to peers, as we manage stocks independently. But it's not core. Core is definitely very different. This is what I will use for my real long-term goals. Herding is again another issue. Don't do what everyone's doing. See, the problem in markets is this. People can overdo it. And that's what we're seeing, right? As the market could have overdone the drop because of the negative sentiment, it can also overdo a rise because of the optimism that is part of it. So herding is when you just see everyone moving forward and you do the same because you think it's the right thing to do. No. Please stop yourself from doing that. Stop yourself from the temptation. As I've said, it's very important that we get more information, that, that we connect ourselves to the nuts and bolts of the basics, the fundamentals. Again, strategic investing for your goals and maybe tactical investing for short-term gains or short-term you know, profits that you can generate with market movements. You have to know where the buck stops. It's with you. Not with markets, not with developments, not with videos like this. It stops with you. How you're going to be making those decisions? How are you going to be moving your portfolios? In the end, and my last advice, please, please, don't punish yourself from the decisions you, you have made that might have been wrong or the indecision that you might have not doing something and markets going the same direction that you felt and then you punish yourself for it. You know, as, as investors, take out these words from your mind. The should-haves, the could-haves. Sana bumili ako. Sana mas marami. Sana iniwasan ko na lang. Sana hindi ko binenta. All of these could-haves, should-haves will just damage you psychologically. That will, you know, this will just lower your sense of confidence. So it's very, very important knowing that money is behavioral, not technical. We have to manage the psychological part of this. We have to, you know, face up to our decisions, you know, cut losses if we made the wrong things, made the wrong stuff, and move it on to better decisions so that we can use the money to make a recovery or to recoup certain losses. The important thing is to study. The important thing is to add knowledge, acumen and experience to what we're doing. Maybe, you know, Moses side people like me, we can say all of these things because we've been in this market for what? Over 30 years. That kind of ages me, right? But that's the truth. And that's the reason why I'm trying to share 
all of these things because I want you, our friends at Ramper Financials, to be in a better pathway so that you don't make the mistakes we have done. We have been in this road before and we have made those mistakes and we've, you know, we've been better off telling people, you know, this would be the pastor trap because at the very least, you get to avoid the pitfalls and you maintain yourself within, you know, the bounds of correct investing. Again, this is Rex Mendoza from Rambert Financials. I hope this video would have helped you clarify the things that are happening, provide a bit of an appreciation that you will need for your portfolio management and investing. Again, till the next video, thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, and hit that notification button so we can inform you when we post future videos. Thank you so much, and God bless you all.